0: For Christmas, my father-in-law gave me a jigsaw puzzle, and I will tell you, I enjoy jigsaw puzzles almost every Christmas for the last several years. My wife has given me like a 1,000-piece jigsaw puzzle, and I work it in the couple of weeks leading up to Christmas. Just keeps my mind occupied. For me, it's a fun activity. So my father-in-law, Bob, sent me a jigsaw puzzle knowing this, Uh, but let me show you the, the puzzle that he sent me. Uh, This puzzle, (laughs) yeah, you see the issue, all right, 12,000 pieces, 12,000, and it's almost entirely blue. It came with tweezers and a magnifying glass, and uh, uh, you know, the pieces are like a quarter inch big, and I saw it, and I immediately thought, there's no way I'm doing this. This would drive me to the insane asylum. This would take the rest of my life. Uh, on the back of the box, they offer several suggestions for other <laughs> fun puzzles that you could do, like Grandpa's Burlap Bag, or side of Rice, or Summer Night Sky, or this one down on the bottom that's all green, A Long Time Coming is what it's called. So I saw that and I thought, okay, okay I'm pretty sure that he's joking. He doesn't actually expect me to, to work these puzzles. But here's, here's really the problem with the puzzle besides the fact that it has 12,000 pieces. The real problem is any individual piece can't be meaningfully matched with anything in the big picture. So you're gonna dump it out and you're gonna have just thousands upon thousands of blue pieces or green pieces and you don't know where they fit in the context of the whole picture and, and beyond that, the, the big picture itself really isn't that compelling. I don't want to spend hours and hours and days and days to make a picture of a green lawn that isn't all that exciting. So again, problem is you can't fit each piece to the big picture, and in the big picture itself is not all that compelling. I share that because that sort of problem often presents itself in churches. There's a lot of pieces There's a lot of people, there's a lot of activity, there's a lot of events, there's a lot of groups, there's a lot of meetings, there's a lot of stuff happening. All kinds of pieces, but often nobody takes the time to pause and say, how do all these pieces fit in the big picture of what we're trying to do? And in fact, at a lot of churches, there is no compelling big picture. Every church, including our own, Grace Bible Church, faces this danger, that we do a lot of stuff, we say a lot of stuff, we have a lot of people, we do a lot of meetings, and yet we never take the moment to say, what are we doing? Why are we here? What is the compelling big picture that we're trying to paint? What is the purpose of our church? What is the mission of our church? What are the important values that undergird and drive everything that we do? If we don't take the opportunity every once in a while to remind ourselves of the answers to those questions, then we become simply a group of people doing a lot of things, occupying our time, but not accomplishing anything. And I think most of us would agree, the last thing most of us need is some other way to occupy our time. We have a lot going on. So if all of this is simply sound and fury, signifying nothing, then why do we keep going? So every once in a while we have to take a moment to remind ourselves of who we are and what we value, who we are as a church, what is our mission, what is our purpose, and what do we value as a church. So we're going to talk about that this morning. What is the mission of Grace Bible Church and what are the values of Grace Bible Church? Next week we're going to begin a new series from the book of James. We'll spend most of the semester in the book of James Before we dive into that, however, I wanted to take this moment to remind all of us of our mission and our values. Some of you, you've been here for a while, so you've heard this a lot. And I want to encourage you, don't check out quite yet, because there may be moments and there may be reminders of things that I'm going to say today that you say, oh yeah, I kind of forgot that piece. I just sort of pulled our." worship and production teams as we were getting ready for the service a few minutes ago. How many of you can state the mission of Grace Bible Church? And how many of you can state the values or the pillars of Grace Bible Church? A few of them could, but most could not. And I say that not to shame them, but simply to say a lot of us, we've been around for a long time and we've heard this a lot, but you may not quite remember it so we want to refresh it those of you who are parents you know the value and the necessity of repetition you tell your kids be nice to your siblings and they say yes you've told me that a thousand times you've told me you told me that yesterday you told me that the day before you've told me that for the last six seven eight twelve years however long i've been alive and you say yes i have but i will continue to say it as long as you continue to slap your sister on the head when you're frustrated Right? As long as you forget, I'm going to continue to remind. We're all prone to forgetting what is important. Now, some of you, I know, you've just joined us, maybe in the last few weeks, maybe in the last month or two, maybe in the last year. And so a lot of this might be new to you. If that's you, I'm so truly, truly so thankful you're here. In the last year or two, I know a lot of folks have come for the first time to Grace Bible Church. So I'm hoping this will give you a sense of who we are, but also what, what my hope is, is that we won't just, as Dusty said, come on Sunday morning to worship, although I want us to do that, but that we will also engage with the mission of this church and invest in the values of this church. So we're going to take the morning and remember our mission and our values. So let's begin here. The mission of grace. Bible Church. A lot of you know it. A lot of you can recite it. We help people find and follow Jesus. We help people find and follow Jesus. Now, some of you know this, some of you don't, but over the course of the last 58 years that Grace has been a church, we've had a few different ways of framing this mission. We've had a few different slogans. This one, uh, I think, has been around for maybe seven to 10 years, and I like it. But all of our slogans, all of our mission statements derive ultimately from the mission that Jesus Christ gave to his disciples before Jesus ascended into heaven, after he died for our sins, and he rose from the dead, and then he instructed his apostles, then he ascended into heaven, and right before he ascended into heaven, the very last words that he gave them are found in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20, where Jesus gives what is called the great Commission, Matthew 28, verses 19 to 20. Jesus said to them, "'Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age.'" So the very last words that Jesus says to his apostles are, are, men, I want you to go, and I want you to make disciples.'" What is a disciple? Well, a disciple is simply somebody who says, I'm going to follow Jesus. I want to learn from Jesus. I want to learn about Jesus. I want to shape my life, my thoughts, my words, my attitudes, my actions, how I spend my time, how I spend my money. I want to shape all of that around the person of Jesus because I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Who died for my sins, who rose from the dead, who is coming back one day, as we saw last semester in the book of Revelation. And because I know that I'll be with him in eternity, because of what he's done, I want others to know him as well and to shape their lives around the values of Jesus Christ and the Word of God. So to to make a disciple is to help somebody else to find Jesus and to follow Jesus. That's all we're saying when we say we help people find and follow Jesus. We find people who don't know Jesus in our community, in our home, in our neighborhood, in our workplace. We tell them about Jesus and then we help them follow Jesus, both within these four walls as well as outside of these walls in the community. We wanna help people walk with Jesus. So we wanna learn to walk with Jesus and help others know and walk with Jesus. That is the mission. It involves sharing the gospel, and it involves helping others grow in their faith. Everything that we do at Grace Bible Church is centered around this. As I mentioned, Grace has only been uh, a multi-campus church for about the past 15 years. Grace Creekside has been a campus for about seven years. We've only been in this building for about two and a half years. But the history of Grace Bible Church goes back nearly 60 years, and it began with a really small group of families, I think fewer than 50 people, probably fewer than 25, that that founded this little church in Bryan and then eventually moved to College Station and grew and became eventually what, what it is today. But along all of those stages of the church's history, we have emphasized and preach that this is our mission. And the reason this is our mission is because it should be the mission of every church. It is the mission of the church. It's what Jesus told us to do. That as we come to know him and follow him, we turn and help others come to know him and follow him. And so quite often what I will ask as I preach, and you will hear uh, being asked in your small groups and in other groups is, who are those people that you're investing in? Who are the disciples you're making? Because this is not simply a task for the pastors or the staff, but this is a task for all of us to say, who are the people in my life that I'm helping to know Jesus, to find Jesus, and to follow Jesus? For some of you, you say, I- I'm starting with my kids in my own household to help them know Jesus. That's great. But I also would encourage you to think about your workplace, your neighborhood, your broader family, your friend groups, who are those who need to find Jesus and follow Jesus? Who are the people you're investing in? If you say, I can't think of who those people are, then to be honest, you haven't yet begun to obey Christ's commission. This is what we're about, to help people find and follow Jesus, to make disciples of all the nations. Now, that is our mission That mission is driven or or is undergirded by what we call our pillars, really, which are values. These values, to some extent, that I'm about to share, some of them are kind of distinctive to Grace Bible Church. And by that, I don't mean they're unique. I don't mean that the things I'm about to share are values that only Grace Bible Church holds. But they are values that Grace Bible Church holds particularly we hold them especially strongly, and we have over the last 58 years, that there are certain ways in which we go about fulfilling this mission that we believe define who we are as a church in 2023 in College Station, Texas, with Texas A&M just down the road, and a growing community that needs to hear about Jesus. The way you might think about it is this. Again, if you're a parent, you probably have uh, like overarching goals For your kids. You have a mission as a parent. Maybe your mission is, I want them to grow up and not live here. That's your mission. I want them to grow up and be independent and godly young men and women. That's your mission. But but within that mission, you have certain ways that you go about training them for that task. I want them to learn to work hard. I want them to learn to be kind to everybody. I want them to learn to value learning, and so on. I want them to learn to be polite, to be a blessing to others. That's one of our family values. So you have your mission, you have your goal, and then you have these values. Grace Bible Church has these values. We've often called them our pillars. If you think about like the pillars of the building, the metaphorical building that is Grace Bible Church, these are the things that hold us up, that build our structure. The first one is is this, we value God's grace. Now, you hear that again and you say, well, lots of churches value God's grace. That ought to be fundamental to a church that says we follow Jesus and present the gospel. I agree. For Grace Bible Church, this has always been one of our driving values. We are, after all, called Grace Bible Church. It's the first word in the name of our church because we believe of primary importance. Everything that we preach, everything that we do, everything we pour our energy into is is arranged around this idea that God in Jesus Christ has given us eternal life for free. Eternal life is not something I have to pay for. Eternal life is not something I have to prove I am worthy of. But eternal life is something God has given as a gift. That's really what the word grace means, by the way. It comes from the same roots as the word gift in the original Greek language. Some people have described it as unmerited or undeserved favor. I gave you something you did not deserve. Throughout the scripture, uh, Paul and the apostles are going to say, if you're going to preach one thing, if you're going to emphasize one thing, emphasize the free grace of God in Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, he says, this is of first importance, first importance, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. In other words, Paul says, if there's one thing that is of primary importance, it is the grace of God most perfectly expressed in Jesus Christ, that in Jesus Christ we have eternal life. It's a free gift. This is really deeply important to our church. It's why you will hear me every week talk about the death of Christ for our sins, the resurrection of Christ to defeat sin, death, Satan, and hell, and the offer in the Scriptures that all who trust in Jesus Christ can accept, can receive, the free gift of eternal life. I don't have to pay for it. I don't have to do anything for it. We're all familiar with free gifts that require us to pay something. In fact, uh, just this past week, my wife gave me a little uh, scratch off card from a local Mexican restaurant. I won't name it, but uh, they had these little scratch off rewards. And you didn't know what you were going to get until you scratched it off. So I scratched mine off. And right there it says, one free taco. And I thought, this is amazing. It was a great day. In fact, I had two of them. I scratched it. It also said one free taco. And I was like, now I've got two free tacos. And then I read the fine print. Very, very small. I mean magnifying glass small. It said with purchase of entree. That is not free. Okay? If I have to buy a $16 entree to get a $2 taco, that's not free. Now, I'm not complaining. I'm still going to use it, right? But but it's not actually free. It's free with a cost. I have to pay. It's not actually a gift. A gift would be if the owner of the restaurant walked up and just gave me two tacos. I don't know if if that person is here this morning, but if you are, (laughs) just saying, that would be free. Several years ago, I, I actually have a friend who owns a restaurant. Uh, And several years ago, he had some new menu items that he was introducing, and so he emailed me and he said, I want some people to try these new menu items, so would you come over to the restaurant and be sort of our test subject? And I thought, never has a job been more suited to a person than that. It's a Mexican restaurant. So I showed up, and, and here's what he said. He said, I want you just to order a lot of stuff, even if you don't eat it all, just order several different dishes and try them all. And so I sat, and I think I ordered like six or seven different things. I was hesitant at first, but he was like, no, keep ordering more stuff. And so I'm sitting at a table by myself <laughs> with about eight plates. That's free. That's a gift. Lavish, undeserved kindness. That's what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, famous passage, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. I don't know how much clearer Paul could say it. It's a gift. We we emphasize this and we pound this reality week after week, after week, year, after year, because we believe that the only way to eternal life is to fall on the grace of Jesus. It's our pillar because it's our lifeline without which we'd be separated from God for all of eternity. And so you'll hear the grace of God preached and hopefully practiced throughout our church. It's of primary importance To us. If you're in the room this morning and you don't yet know Jesus Christ, all you have to do is believe what Jesus did for you and receive the free gift of eternal life. To trust that He died for your sins, He rose from the dead so you can have eternal life. It is free, it is grace. We value the grace of God. We preach the grace of God. There are places in this world where they say we preach the grace of God, but the version of grace they preach is you might get in the house for free, but the rest of your life you have to prove that you deserve it. God says to us in Jesus Christ, you've already proven you don't deserve it, and I let you in for free the death and resurrection of Jesus. We value God's grace. Secondly, we value God's Word. We believe that the Word of God offers us the only really true and reliable text, the only true and reliable place where we can learn who God is, who we are, what God has done, and what He's calling us toward. Only the Word of God has the power, the actual power, to change our lives because the Scripture was inspired, we'll see this in a moment, it was breathed out by the Holy Spirit to men who wrote down God's words so that we can know God. One of my favorite passages about the Word of God, Isaiah chapter 55, verses 10 through 11. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, And do not return there without watering the earth and making it bare and sprout and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So will my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire. We believe that the word of God has that kind of power, that when God speaks, his word goes out and it does what he says it will do. When God makes a promise in his word, he will fulfill it. It will come true. And so we value the word of God because as Paul said in 2 Timothy, all scripture is inspired or breathed out. Some of you may know this. I've mentioned it before. That word in the original Greek language, inspired, is the only place in ancient Greek literature at all that we see this word, theopneustos. It's a combination of God and breathed. God breathed it out. It is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. We believe in the Word of God. Again, we are Grace Bible Church. We stand under the authority of the Word of God. And I'll say this again as well. There is a very specific reason why every week when I stand up here, I hold a Bible, a physical Bible. Bible. Part of it is I don't really understand how to use an iPad. But also, it's a visual reminder. It's a visual reminder that that I'm not giving you simply my opinion. Now, we interpret the Scriptures. We try to understand it. My interpretation of it is not infallible. We urge you to study the Scripture on your own, to read it, to compare what I say with the Word of God. But fundamentally, I'm not here to give you my opinion. You don't want me to begin a sermon with my opinion, for example, on whether or not you should watch Stranger Things. Now, the scripture may have some principles that come to bear on that decision, but I'm not going to begin with that type of question. You don't want my opinions on student loan relief or on immigration or on who you should vote for or whether you should buy a house in this market. You don't want my opinions because they'd be worth about as much as you're paying for them. I have opinions, by the way, lots of them. You're just not gonna hear them from this place. Instead, what we will do is we will stand under the word of God because the word of God carries the power to change our lives. This is what we read. This is what we study. This is what we submit to because we believe that it is the word of God. There's nothing magical about the paper or the cover or anything along those lines. But instead, we believe that God has chosen to speak to us primarily in his word. Many years ago, I was at a Christian camp. I mean, this was decades ago. And they had a number of speakers. I was working at the camp. So every week there was a different speaker, a different preacher. And I'll never forget uh, vividly one of the weeks that I was there, there was a preacher that he would, he would stand up and he would open the Scriptures and he would read a verse and then he would close it and never again would he refer to the verse or the passage or the scripture. But it would be a monologue of his opinions and his stories. And I I remember another staff member who was learning to walk with the Lord. Uh, We walked in about the third or fourth day of the chapel service, and he had his Bible. And I remember he said, "Mm, I guess I actually don't need this. And he set it down. God forbid. We stand under the word of God. It's also why in our Bible studies, uh, we, we actually have curriculum that we've created, not because we're smarter than anybody else, but because we want this curriculum to take you first to the Scripture. And say, what does God's Word say about who I am, about who He is, about how to know Him, about how to obey Him? We value God's grace, we value God's Word, Thirdly, we value next generation ministry. Now, if you look at our website, this is framed as we value God's people. And we do, but I want to specify a little bit more this morning what we mean by that historically. The history of grace, some of you know this, the history of grace is that uh, our first location in College Station. It sits on Anderson Street. It's about a quarter mile away from Texas A&M. In fact, when I was a college student and I began going to Grace, that was the only Grace. Uh, In fact, what's now the college building was the only building that there was. And so I remember walking from campus at times over to Grace Bible Church because of its proximity and also because the elders of Grace Bible Church said historically, we want to invest in the college students who are right here. Because of that, Grace Bible Church has always been a place that has valued intergenerational ministry. If you read the Great Commission that we read earlier, one of the things you'll notice is that the Great Commission includes, it has to include intergenerational ministry. That is one generation of believers in Jesus Christ hands the truth down to the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. We see it in 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul's instructions to this young pastor, Timothy. He says, Timothy, the things you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Notice there's four generations of Christians in this passage. There's Paul, there's Timothy, there's the men Timothy invests in, and then there's those that those men invest in. What is Paul saying? Your life and my life can be described at its best as a link in a chain. That what we do is we grasp onto the faith of our ancestors spiritually. Those men and women who came before us and said, I want to know Jesus, I want to follow Jesus, I want to know his word. And so we grab onto the faith of those who handed it down to us and then we reach down and we hand it down to the generation coming after us. You're a link in a chain. If we want our lives to have an influence that lasts beyond our death, the way that that happens is to invest in the things that are eternal. What is eternal? The people that God has made, the word of God, Jesus Christ himself. You're a link in a chain. Let me me speak for just a moment on behalf of those who might be on Uh, the older end of this chain. And I include myself in that. I uh, am what you might describe as middle-aged if I live to 92, right? So I'm right there in the middle. Some of y'all are younger, some of y'all are older. But for those of us who are moving toward the top of the chain on the older end, there is a real temptation for us to get fussy about the way that the younger generations are changing things that we love, or the way that the younger generations are simply filling up our streets, taking our parking places, and all the good tables at Chewy's, And so we drive around, and and, and I, I understand this. It can be difficult at times to share space with those who might be a generation or two Younger, who are learning their place in the world, who are developing their understanding of the word of God, who are developing their understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ, who sometimes might not say the things we think they ought to say or do the things we think they ought to do. Or maybe they don't sing the songs that we think they ought to sing. And we say, where are my songs? They're gone. Or maybe we hear one or two here and there. Here's what I would say to those of us who are moving toward the top of that chain is remember in those moments what you are and who you are. You are a link in a chain. And so sometimes uh, I, when I'm standing over here before uh, I preach and I hear some of the newer songs and I, and I, I may think this is not the, these are not the songs that I, that I grew up with. I, I don't know these songs. Why don't they why don't they sing, you know, Lord, I lift your name on high? Where'd that one go? Where did all in all go? Like, where did all these songs go? And I don't, I don't like this. But then I look and I, and I see, I actually have a daughter who is 18. She's about to go to college in the fall. And I'll see her sometimes in here with her friends, and they are singing to Jesus with songs that connect with their heart. And I say, you know, they're not singing the songs that, that I knew, that I like, that I remember but they're singing to Jesus. And each generation is called to find their path under the authority of the Scriptures as they follow Jesus. And it might look a little different from my path. And I'm not talking about eternal... moral boundaries or the gospel itself, those things are the same. What I am saying is that the language that they use, the ways that they navigate the world in their generation as they learn how to be witnesses and disciple makers for Jesus in their generation, it might look a little different from the way we did it in mine or the way you did it in yours. But that's the beauty of the gospel. That's why it's lasted for 2,000 years, is that the people of God have said, I'm a link in a chain. It won't be long till I'm with Jesus. And what I want to do is leave behind some people who follow and know him and pass him to the next generation. So if, if you're on the older end of that chain, I again would ask you, who are, who are your people that you're passing the gospel to? Who are those that you're investing in? Who are the people you'll leave behind when you go to see Jesus. It may be that that you're older than I am, 20, 30, even 40 years older than I am. And you say, you know what, I can invest my time, my energy in, in a young couple, a young family who are learning how to walk with Jesus as they raise their children. And they may be sitting in the room near you this morning. It may be that you are that young family or that family who has teens, and you you say, you know what, I see the volunteers and the staff who are investing in my kids. Maybe I can invest in them. Grab coffee. Ask how I can help them on their walk with Jesus. Those of you who are on the lower end of the chain, and I, I say that not by way of hierarchy, but by way simply of age, you're younger, I would encourage you as well, you're not off the hook. You can invest and those who are coming behind you, even starting now in our children, in our youth, even in other college students who might be a year or two behind you, to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. We value next-generation ministry because that is the way that the church will stand strong and remain until Jesus comes. It's what Jesus told us to do, until he comes back. So the grace of God, the word of God, next generation ministry, and then fourthly, we value world missions. This is the fourth of our pillars, not in terms of priority, but it's just the fourth one that I'll mention this morning. We value world missions because Jesus said, I want you to make disciples of all the nations. We believe, and we saw this, if you were with us in the book of Revelation last semester, We talked about how God through Jesus Christ and the power of the Spirit is building throughout history a a group, a church, a kingdom of men and women from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. That as the gospel goes forth to every nation, the idea is that one day around God's throne there will be men and women from every tribe, every tongue, every people, every nation. You remember this passage from Revelation chapter seven. After these things I looked and behold, a great multitude, which no one could count, from every nation and all tribes and all peoples and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and palm branches were in their hands, and they cry out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. They sing it because somebody came to them and shared it. Because somebody was faithful to the commission of Jesus Christ. We value world missions. This is why, as a church, we have always given a large percentage of our budget toward world missions. Right now, it's about 20% of our personnel budget, which is the largest aspect of almost any church's budget. It's 20%. It began in 1965 with four missionaries, the elders who were there, at the time decided they were going to support four missionaries at $10 a month. Now this was before they even fully had the money to pay a full-time pastor. But they said this is so important to us that we're going to give a portion of what we have, which was very little, to world missions. As of about 2021, That $40 a month had grown into about $750,000 a year as we support the work of God around the world. There are uh, overseas global missions workers that are among us. Some of them are even still trying to raise the support that they need to go overseas. If you were here last fall, we had a week where some of them shared their Uh, testimonies and shared their journey of working to go overseas, I'd encourage you to meet some of those folks so you can pray for them, so you can invest in them, know who they are, and participate with us in this work of sharing the gospel around the world. We value it, and so we give our money, we give our time toward what we value. So I would encourage you to invest, to pray, to be a part of that task with us. We will highlight from time to time those men and women who have chosen to say, I want to be sent out by Grace Bible Church to share the gospel in places where Jesus is hard to find right now because there aren't churches and scriptures often even in their language that are preaching Jesus. So we value God's grace. We value God's word. We value next generation ministry. We value world mission. So again, mission of our church, we help people find and follow Jesus. It's the great commission. It's what we're about. And these are our pillars. These are our values that undergird that mission. My challenge is simply this. I've got some challenges for everybody in the room. If you are new or new-ish and you haven't really connected yet with our church, the first place to begin to engage with us in our mission is to connect. So I encourage you today, and Dusty mentioned this earlier, go out to the lobby. This morning in particular, we have a lot of tables set up with various ways that you can connect. I'm certain that this spring, and I meant to get the date before I began this morning, but we will have a membership class that uh, we'll get information about as that goes forward. That, they'll go into a lot more depth on who our church is, how you can get connected, what our doctrine is, all of those types of things. But I encourage you, take that first step, go to the lobby. There's gonna be some people out there who can answer questions about how can you connect, how can you find community, how can you find a group where you can grow in your faith. I would encourage you, uh, secondly then, join a group if you haven't yet, where you can grow. Uh, There's a couple of Bible studies we are doing this semester. Uh, we're doing the book of James. There's a couple of different ways you can study the book of James, uh, but that'll go along with the sermon series that we are gonna go through from the book of James. Uh, We also have our essentials Bible study, which is for those who say, I know Jesus, maybe you've known Jesus for a while, maybe you've been walking with him for a while, but you really need uh, some fundamentals of the faith and to answer some really basic, not well, and difficult questions, honestly. How would I defend the deity of Christ and the Trinity? scripture? How can I arrange my life around knowing and walking with Jesus? I'd say this, if you've never gone through essentials, consider going through it. Even if you've known Jesus for a long time, I know that I benefit from going back through the curriculum every once in a while. So join a group where you can grow, where you can walk with Jesus, where you can become a disciple who eventually is a disciple maker and then engage with us in this mission. Who are your people? that you're investing your life in? Who are the people that you're going to share the gospel with in in your community, in your sphere of influence? How can you serve as this church seeks to worship Jesus, make disciples, share the gospel, fulfill our mission? Dusty mentioned we have all kinds of ways you can serve. For some of you, it may be that you've been around for a while and you've been in groups for a while, and the next step for you is actually to step up and lead to lead a group, to lead in some capacity where up till now you have not been. And I, I say that not because we've got like holes we need to fill. This is not a desperate plea for more leaders. But instead, this is, this is me saying, if you want to be a part of the great commission to make disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples, and you have benefited from the groups in the ministry of Grace Bible Church, it might be time to look into stepping up to lead. If that is you, you can contact Dusty, you can contact Chelsea, our women's director, or Chris Thompson. They can help you connect and think about taking that next step. And then, of course, give to the mission of Grace Bible Church, both here in this community and around the world. When you you give to Grace Bible Church, uh, I don't get some sort of raise if suddenly the offering is up today, right? But what it does is it allows us to invest more broadly in this community and around the world and more deeply as we seek to fulfill the great commission and make disciples of all the nations until Jesus comes. So again, what do we do? We help people find and follow Jesus. Every piece of this puzzle ought to fit into that. My life, your life, every group, everything we do as a church and as followers of Jesus Christ, we help people find and follow Jesus until the day he returns. Would you pray with me? Father, we're so thankful for you, that you have decided in your mercy and grace that you want a relationship with us. And you gave your only son to make that happen. Lord, we are thankful. Lord, we're thankful for your word. We pray we would learn from it, submit to it, understand it, and obey it. Father, we thank you that you've given us the privilege to be links in a chain as we pass the gospel of Jesus Christ from one generation to the next, here and around the world, until Jesus returns. Let us be faithful to do that, to grow share, to engage and lead, and to give toward the mission you've called us to. Lord, thank you, and we pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.